everybody how's it going i'm early or late depending on how you look at it <laughs> i uh i put on the uh show today that it starts at 3 30 uh because i needed some some i think i put it in the comments right i had to push it back 30 minutes this week uh but i was hoping to get on in time so i was a couple minutes late or 30 minutes early depending on which time you thought i was popping on so uh so good i'm glad it worked out great i needed a little buffer i had a literally just pulled up came upstairs here we are so number 80 episode number 80 of uh qa and um already i see there's a bunch of you waiting so i got questions already queued up how's everybody's week going mine was pretty good the uh and i saw uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a couple questions and we'll do some discussion. Uh, the first one right off the bat is uh, Jason Gooding said, "Phil, what do you think of Crank Amps?" Well, um, Crank Amps is Tony Crank. Uh, Tony Dow is the owner of Crank Amps now. He used to be part owner, but the designer of them, and then uh, you know it, it went defunct, and he was able to get the name back. Um, I know Tony well. Uh, Tony has done work for me. Uh, he used to do repairs uh, for my shop. Uh, he would repair amps. Um, so, um, I, I like crank amps, uh, regrets a strong word. Do I regret selling my crank? Um, I had the 1980, the mini head and I had the, uh, the, uh, revolution head. Uh, I don't know if I regret getting rid of them, but I do like them and maybe I should have kept one of them. Uh, they're pretty good. They're definitely worth more than what I sold mine for. I think I bought mine dirt cheap at clearance, like 300 bucks and sold it for like 350. And I think now they're worth about five or six. So, uh, but good stuff. Uh, crank amps was definitely better than, uh, it was really overbuilt. It was really good. There was a lot of good things about it. And the great thing is if you have a crank amp, uh, unlike uh, some companies that went away, you can reach out to Tony crank. He still has parts. He bought all the parts in, uh, from the company when it went defunct. So he has all the parts. Uh, to do service work on those uh, amps. So if you ever have issues, Tony Crank can do that stuff. And he's a, a really great repair guy uh, and amp builder. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh, uh, Don Daly says, hey, Phil, what pickups would you use to simulate the player strat sound? So the player strats, the new main Mexico strats. And in my opinion, they have the same exact pickups as the American Standard Series before they went to the custom 50s or the fat 50s. So if you have an American Standard Strat, let's say until I think 2008, they went to the custom shop fat 50s. Uh, so 2007 to at least 2000, I think you have the same pickups. So if you find, uh, uh, I don't know what those are comparatively wise, but if you look up the specs of the American Standard Stratocaster pickups, uh, stock ones from back in the day. I'm sure whatever the specs on those those are the correct uh, Pickups it looks like that's what it looks like to me when I took apart the player strat. That's what I saw. I saw uh, I used to gut <laughs> Used to like any repair shop. I used to gut so many American standards strat pickups out You don't even put in Duncan's or Lindy Fraylin's or you know, you name it custom shop uh, fender pickups and uh, so after a while you just have tons of those pickups laying around and uh, You get used to the way they look they had a certain look to them the inject molded bobbins and all that stuff and and uh, So when I saw the player strat that they just screamed to me. Uh, that's what they were um, But that's that's what I look at uh, So something to take a look at that's what I would think about is uh, that's where I would find the answer to that question um, I don't know uh, What sounds exactly like them? 
The uh, Seymour Duncan SSL ones, I like more than them, but I've always liked those uh, pickups fine. Okay. Uh, you know, Rick uh, Hales, I, I don't know if it's a question, but it's, I want to hit it. It says, personally, I'm a procrastinator and I promise myself that I'm going to put some serious time into rhythm, but always end up playing scales uh, and comfortable riffs. Yeah, you know, rhythm is a funny thing to me. It, it's everything to me. It's the thing I work on. I don't really play, uh, I don't like, like is an optative word. I'm not a soloer. Um, in fact, I could probably tell you guys, I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to see if there's any any exceptions i don't think there is for guitar until i was doing youtube videos i didn't even try to solo ever uh when i would play when i jam i don't do solos uh i don't do any stuff i was always rhythm um i can hold a rhythm in time that's important uh, i can do a rhythm for long periods of time which is also very important rhythm is a very hard thing for people to master and um i don't think uh, a lot of people even if i i feel i have a good handle on it but I mean, definitely far from mastering rhythm, but rhythm is where I think a lot of players should spend more time. Soloing and sometimes is is the that's the exciting part, you know, the whole hey, this is how I'm going to show off. But man, a good rhythm player to me is worth his weight. Is worth th five solo players uh, to find. Uh, so there you go. Um, a good way to work on rhythm is to well, play bass helps. You want to pick up the bass and play a little bit, but um, when when playing rhythm, obviously metronome, drum machines, th those are very good, very good uh, starts. Um, part of problem with rhythm is not only having rhythm, but listening. Rhythm is a definitely a listening game. You have to pay attention to the drummer. You have to be in sync with the bass player, the drummer. This, the, you know, I mean, you want that to be to be locked in tight. Um, and sometimes when you're soloing, you don't have to think about that stuff. So um, one of the problems I have playing bass, uh, in fact, it's too early to tell you guys, but I'll be doing some bass stuff soon. Again, not for YouTube, but for something else, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I, I have to say that sometimes when I'm playing bass, a lot of times guitar players will point at the bass player and like solo. And when you solo on bass, a lot of times you have to hold the rhythm as well. And it's a little tricky. Um, so I, I sometimes if I know a guitar player is about to pull that you know, on me, like, hey, we want you to solo on the bass. Um, I have to make sure that the band knows it's not as easy as has point to like a guitar player and they start soloing the bass player. Once I stop playing, you're going to feel the drop off, which is the rhythm, which is moving everybody or making the heads bob or making people move. And so when you start soloing, you've got to keep it in a rhythm uh, that that still keeps that that going. And so it's a little tricky. So soloing on the bass is really tricky because of that rhythm aspect. You've got to keep the rhythm going. It's a huge part of it. Um, and uh I've been put in situations where uh, I've, you know, they they, put, they look at you and they go solo on the bass and you start pulling out this this stuff and and people clap because they're like they see some some tapping or some slapping or some stuff and, um, but, you know, within a few seconds you start feeling that the band, you know what I mean, that the level of of the rhythm, the feel of the band has dropped a little bit. So you got to jump back in, and it's nice to know that's coming. <laughs> so uh, some bass players might not have that problem, but I do. Uh, okay. So what else you guys got? Um, uh, 
All right. Uh, Mario wants to know, hey, Phil, the Pride of Texas, uh, the Pride of Texas is basically a tube screamer copy uh, or anyone else who knows. The Pride of Texas, we're talking about the Don Electro, Dan Electro, Dan Electro from Pride of Texas. To me, it's not a tube screamer. Uh, here's why. It, yes. Could it be? Sure. I don't know. I didn't look inside. I didn't, I don't, I didn't ask anybody if what it is, but uh, it vibes kind of like a tube screamer, but it is on steroids. The Pride of Texas has a lot of output. It's the thing that really made me gravitate towards it, what I, what I liked about it. It's a really high output uh, uh, pedal. And so um, I like it. Um, the real question is, Mario, do I like it more than a tube screamer? And that's tough. Um, you know, I think I actually like it more than the Tube Screamer. I could say that. The Pride of Texas, I think, is uh, it's a pedal I prefer over the Tube Screamer. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Um, but secretly, I, if you said I could only have one, the Tube Screamer is just such a go-to for me. Um, okay, so I'll put it this way. Having a YouTube channel, I would say the Tube Screamer is a mandatory pedal for me to have. Uh, but as I'm, you know, playing music, I would pick the Pride of Texas. In fact, out of the Tube Screamer, the Pride of Texas, um, I would definitely pick the Pride of Texas just because it's, I, I like it. I, it's, it's the first pedal I ever reviewed from Dan Electro when they came out with that stuff. And, um, part of the problem I have with the Dan Electro series of pedals is they are really good pedals and uh, something to note, this is probably maybe important to you guys. I don't know. Dan Electro has been kind enough to send me every Dan Electro pedal that they've made in the series. And uh, I've only reviewed the Pride of Texas out of those pedals. And the reason is, is because even though the other ones were very good and I tried them and I was very excited. In fact, their boost pedal is one of the best boost pedals I've ever played sub the $100 rate. Uh, in fact, it, it, I had a boost pedal come in from another company that was two and a half times the price of the uh, Dan Electro. And I didn't review, review it because I liked the Dan Electro better. So, you know what I mean? I, it had to, had to stop. But what I was going to tell you was the Pride of Texas I liked so much that the other ones kind of fell short. Like I was like, oh, they were good. They were good. They were good. They were good. But the Pirate Texas was really good. I was, I really enjoyed it by far. I, I, um, you know, it's actually not in this room. It's in the other room. So that must mean I'm using it because I'm, uh, I think it's actually on the floor pushing my Mark V Mini. Uh, Darren Bryant. Uh, his question is, can you recommend a decent gigable amp for someone starting out off $400? And the answer is yes. And you know, the question is, as I tell people, there's so many amps now that you can do that with. So I'll give you a couple suggestions new and a couple suggestions you used. We'll see how that goes. I like the Katana. I think you could gig with the Katana and the $400 price range. Um, I think you can uh, gig with the, well, that's $500. Um, this is the trick. $400, I'm going to say, is everything all in, right? So you, you, uh, anything used, uh, American-made from PV is giggable for sure. You know, the bandits, all that stuff, definitely cool. Um, like I said, I don't think $400 is a tough price point to find decent giggable amps. You can find used Hot Rod Deluxes for $400. Uh, Blues Jr. will pull it off at $400. Uh, I bought an Ampeg uh I bought a 60 watt 212 Ampeg made in the USA uh, a couple months ago for 350. I want to say 350, 400 bucks was totally doable. I, you know, it's a great amp. I'm going to give you a, a, one amp I've been thinking about getting uh, the Custom Coupe, Custom with a K, Coupe 36 made in the USA. 
uh, 36 watts through 112, two channels with a boost feature. You can find that in the $400 range. I would definitely check that amp out. In fact, I can pretty much tell you right now, I think there's one on reverb and that's about the price point. Uh, made in the USA, it was built and designed by uh, James Brown. If you don't know who James Brown is, he, he was a, uh, a lead designer at PV and of course uh, built and designed and co-designed the 5150 uh, by PV with Eddie Van Halen and Harley PV. So that's you know a great amp that we live in a time where now the budget on an amp is just like the budget on a guitar it's unrestricted there there's there's great product at every price point so it's not can you know you can you get one i know you're asking for a, a recommendation so those are the ones i recommend but i mean there's so many there's so many in fact right now i i named like what five or six and i bet you there's people at the screen telling me you know hey hey, hey there's 50 others i didn't mention so those are right away something to think about okay um let me do this uh we have a super chat from last week that i didn't get to uh to answer and it was a great question too so i want to hit it uh, important uh it was from darren uh roscam and he said he's got a gretsch g5220 electromatic jet so it's like a dual jet it's the it's the you know uh, the electromatic version of the dual jet and uh he's uh when it, he says it sounds weak, like he's got no output, I guess, when he's plugging into his PV Viper amp. So he wants to know if a Tube Screamer, a TS9 Tube Screamer, will fix it, uh, fix the issue. So when you say weak, weak is, to me can mean one of two issues. So the issue is weak, meaning you're not getting enough gain, you know, you're not getting enough the, the growl out of the amp, you're not pushing the amp over. So maybe Tube Screamer will help push that amp over. Or it could mean weak, like it's quiet. Either way, I would definitely check two things before suggesting just adding a pedal to the mix. First suggestion is to check the pickup height. Make sure the pickups are the correct height compared to the, the, the strings. You could probably go online and find the recommendation from the manufacturer. I don't really think you need to do that. I think it's as simple as uh, take a screwdriver and <laughs> plug in the guitar, start strumming, and adjust the height of the pickup. You know, just like you would move. I tell everybody, you just, for me, you adjust the height of the pickups exactly like, exactly like you move a speaker. I don't know what I'm saying. Exactly like you move a microphone around a speaker, placing it for recording. You're just trying to find the sweet spot. That's how I raise and lower pickups. I use my ear. That's it. I don't even have to look. I can use my ear to raise the height of the pickup. I, I just, I, I strum, I listen, and I, I raise it. And, uh, you know, it sounds sweet. I go, okay, that's where I want to leave it. And then maybe I raise it a little higher and then I go, no, it's too much and go down. Just like microphone, you want that sweet spot. Uh, definitely check that. The second thing you can do is uh, is check uh, check the pickups themselves. And here's how you would do that. You, uh, uh, I don't have one, so I'm doing off memory, but you, you grab your multimeter if you have one. If you don't, you should have one. And um, set it to uh, ohms, uh, like uh, 10, ohms are like going to be in the thousands, the hundreds and the tens. You're in the tens. Um, because, uh, you know, the pickups are in the tens or sometimes less than tens and, uh, set that, uh, I have a video coming out about that actually, but anyways, uh, you just put the multimeter, the hot on the tip of the uh, guitar. So you plug your guitar plug, uh, the, into the, uh, output jack. And, uh, then you put the, uh, positive on the tip and the negative on the sleeve, which is your ground. And that should give you a reading of each pickup. Just make sure all the knobs are on 10. Put your selector on the bridge and that'll give you an output of the pickup you'll know if something's wrong um again this is verbal so it's tough but good for you uh, good, good news is the video will be out this uh this coming week uh, uh so about multimeters so that's good so and how i use them so and that's something that would definitely tie in 
Okay, uh, the next one, next question we got is, oh, watch. Uh, it says from Serang, hello, hello from September. He's in the future, everyone. He's from tomorrow. <laughs> he says, hey, Phil, how are you liking the Line 6 stuff? Um, well, since last I talked to you with, uh, with Ralph, I've literally not played any of the Line 6 stuff. I have the guitar here. Um, the guitar has moved. We moved it that afternoon and we played a little bit. Uh, this week has been, this week, just like last week, extremely busy with the other stuff that I do that I make money, you know, doing, and it's taken up a lot of the time from the YouTube channel. So that's just what's going on. Uh, but the good news is I've been making content, so the stuff is coming out pretty regularly. Uh, there's more content to come out. There's a video that I uh, put out uh, yesterday to the patron members, and uh, I do that. I send videos to patron, um, not to give them a, you know, like a, a preview. It's not, hey, because you do patron, you get to see videos beforehand. Literally, they, I put them to work. It's the greatest deal ever. They pay me every month to, to, to basically work. Um, it's awesome. They, they give money to support this channel and they give input, which is important to me. Uh, sometimes more valuable than the actual money they, they, they donate uh, or supply. The uh, video uh, I sent to them and said, hey, what do you think? And they gave me some suggestions. So the suggestions have caused some re-edit issues. And that video will come out soon. Uh, I'd say tomorrow, but I don't want to promise it like I sometimes do and then it not come out. But definitely by Monday, for sure. The video comes out by Monday. Um, since I just got to put in a couple of ad edits and, and add a little piece. Uh, six String Disciple 777. Hey, I bet you're a Steve I fan. Am I guessing? I bet you I'm right. Uh, it says, thoughts on if different two brands affect the tone of an amp. I got JJ uh, 12A7s and EL84s and wondering if different tubes will improve the tone. I think so. I, I definitely believe that. Uh, I've had that experience. Um, you know, it's one of those things like tube, the brand of a tube like JJ's versus uh, electroharmonics or, uh, you know, you know uh, groove tubes. I really hate groove tubes. And I really hate saying that because I really like Fender. Uh, it's funny. Fender owns groove tubes, if you guys don't know that. They acquired groove tubes uh, many years ago, 2008-ish, somewhere around there. I was in the recession. I remember that. And um, Fender acquired groove tubes. And uh, I used to think highly of groove tubes, but I hate groove tubes. Uh, one of the things I don't like about Fender amps is they have groove tubes. Uh, I have a video which uh, I give a suggestion on how to fix an amp issue. And that video is plagued with comments about people saying, I bought the tube you suggested, but they bought the groove tube, which I didn't suggest because I didn't suggest a brand of tubes, which is where I regret. I should have put the disclaimer, stay away from groove tubes. I've had, the, uh, I've had uh, at least 10 maybe 20, no joke, no exaggeration, bad groove tubes in a row come that I ordered. Like, got one, it's bad, got one, it's bad, got one, it's bad. Uh, I stay away from groove tubes. I'm sure some people out there have had different experiences, obviously, but my experience with groove tubes is the one I stay, stay away from. I like JJ's. They're cheap, they're good. I like them. There's all kinds of tubes that people recommend out there. Um, uh, Sovtech, right? Uh, but yeah, do I notice? Yeah, absolutely. Not only... Because here's the thing. There's two things going on. First of all, does different brands sound different? Sure, of course. Um, but also, not all tubes are created equal. You know, 12X7 is not a 12X7. There's different ratings on them. Uh, there's different, uh, there's all kinds of things coming into play. That's what makes tubes so amazing is that they're so, uh, they're, they're, and they're a wearable item, which means, um, 
I heard a saying once that says you never you never drive on the same tires twice on your car because obviously if you drive somewhere, as soon as you drive, you wore a little material off the tire and therefore the tire is never the same twice because you, you know, right? So you drive somewhere and come back. Tubes the same thing for me. I think it's a wearable item. As you wear it, they maybe they soften, change, something like that. There's some some play going in, in, in there. It's a wearable item because of the fact that tubes don't last forever. As you use them, they're decaying. They're going away. So, uh, yeah, that's my my experiences as well as what you're detecting is that, yeah, different ones, different things. And I prefer JJ's uh, mostly because of price. I like the quality and the price is good. But um, I don't necessarily have to have a certain kind of tube. Uh Jacob Dollinger says, hey, Phil, I picked up a Washburn uh, Bantam. Ah, oh, the XB500 base. That used to be my dream base back in the day. I remember when those came out. I thought the Bantams were like the perfect mix of like not quite a sound gear, but really cool. Says, okay, so the XB500 base a few weeks ago, he bought that. Oh, he got it in a trade. Uh, know anything about them? Really high output for, uh, or is it just me? No, no, I thought the pickups were really hot, right? A lot of, a lot of signal. I thought the Bantam was great. Washburn, I think, was killing for a little while with the Bantams. Um, but Washburn is, as you guys know, because Ola has a brand now, Washburn has decided to get out of the electric guitar and bass game. They're really pushing the acoustic line uh, for a lot of reasons, and uh, the Bantams are just a victim of that. But the Bantam XB500 was a great bass. Um, plays fantastically. They made American ones and, of course, import ones, but they're all designed to be the same. Great stuff. So I, I think so. I, I liked it. Have I ever owned a Bantam? That's a good question. I didn't ever own a Bantam, but like I said, it was a base I coveted. It was a base I wanted. Um, and to be honest with you, by the time I, it was one of those things, like there's a lot of instruments I could tell you that I really wanted, but I just didn't have the money. I was broke. And then when I got, you know, in a point in my life where it's like, hey, I don't have to buy diapers anymore for the kids or, you know what I mean? The pay daycare. Daycare was like, I don't know, man, this is such a lame thing to talk about in a gear show. But if you want to, the thing that, definitely helped my gear acquisition uh, syndrome the most was when daycare went away uh any any young whippersnappers out there that don't have kids yet let me tell you everybody tells you stupid things like man diapers are expensive and formula is expensive no no daycare <laughs> daycare is where all your money goes um so uh once i got rid of daycare i started having disposable income again that was a thing uh plus the absence of daycare is usually the absence of diapers and formula and stuff and so by the time that happened washburn really wasn't making a whole lot of the bantam series they had moved on to the tourist spaces and stuff uh so that's what happened uh with me and i've actually looked online at the bantam stuff you know used and stuff but you know just didn't find the right base uh james shackleford hey james good to see you again says i feel uh wait I feel there are some least least expensive pedals. I just want to mess this up. All right. I'm going to rephrase the question because I'm reading it wrong, but I'm understanding correctly. It says, I feel there are some lower-priced uh, pedals that are gems out there. I got a TU-3000, 300, sorry, TU-300 chromatic tuner pedal uh, by Behringer. Uh, what are your thoughts on cheap pedals? I agree with you, James. Um, pedals price does not affect how I think of a pedal. Um, and, and that, and that is definitely, uh, you know, everything you buy, uh, for me has a baseline to it, <laughs> a baseline, no, I'm just kidding, a baseline, uh, uh you know, uh, you gotta have par for the course, right? So to me, when I think of a guitar, I think of, 
uh, when I think of a good guitar, you know, I know you can buy a good guitar for 300 bucks, but I'm talking about like the uh, guitar to me, a thousand bucks. That's like the, you know, you spend a thousand bucks, you got a good guitar. Like no one, you know, you could buy a $300 guitar and get a great guitar. And you could buy a $300 guitar and get a crappy guitar. But to me, if you paid a thousand dollars for a guitar, you should never have a crappy guitar. That puts you in the, the sweet spot, right? So that's the par for the course for me. Um, pedals to me, uh, uh, boss pedals are the part for the course for me. A hundred dollar boss uh, pedal or MXR pedal. I, I I could I could I could literally have no pedals but boss and MXR uh, and be happy forever. And I could even go with one brand and not the other. But the problem is is that there's certain things one brand doesn't make and the other does. But to me, it's like boss boss and MXR par for the course. So hundred bucks is actually where I think pedals are. You shouldn't buy a bad $100 pedal. Like there sh shouldn't, right? If you pay $100 for a pedal, there shouldn't be a bad one. It should be good um, quality-wise. So yeah, and then then there's the fines. Uh, you know, one of the companies I think that make great stuff uh, in the low price range is uh, Moore. I think Moore's great. I own like seven or eight more pedals. Um, yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Seven or eight more pedals. Um, and that's important because I bought those more pedals. Moore, the company has sent me... Uh, as a YouTuber, they sent me, I think, four or five pedals total. Uh, and uh, two I gave away on uh, Patreon and, uh, to do a giveaway. And then, um, you know, I kept the other three. I have the three now. Uh, and they're great. But I bought eight others in additionally. So, yeah, I like more. There's a lot of pedals. Uh, I, I hear the Donner stuff is really good. So, um, Blues Bunker says, what's up with all these YouTube ads? I don't think there should be YouTube ads right now. We're live. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about on the replay? So, uh, I don't know. Uh, try to refine that question. I'm curious because he's got, he's got like uh, six frowny faces in a row, which means he's really frowny faced. <laughs> that's, that's extra frowny faced. <laughs> so, uh, let me know. I'm curious. Uh, but uh, the ads on YouTube videos, man, I, I don't know. They, they put them in the front of the the videos uh there's an option to put them on the end of videos i don't really take that option uh, on long shows like this you can insert a couple into them um i try not to go crazy i put in they have a recommended amount of ads they put on long videos like this i do less than half of what youtube recommends um uh, i try to get three ads out of an hour an hour and a half uh I think because TV is what every well, on a thirty-minute show you'll get. I don't know. I, I don't even. I don't even want to think about it. It's so boring. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So there's one at the beginning, and then there should be two in the through an hour, something like that. That's how the bills get paid. Uh, you can skip them, or uh, I have YouTube Red. You buy that, and you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to watch the ads. Um, so you know, I don't buy YouTube Red because I want to skip ads. I buy YouTube Red because I get to download content on my phone and watch the videos whenever I want. And I like to do that. I, I download, uh, in fact, when I go on planes and stuff, whenever I travel, I don't watch movies. I just watch all the YouTube. That's how I catch up on the YouTube content. Um, so a lot of times when people say, Hey, have you seen that show from that pedal show or from Chapman and stuff like that? I, I downloaded it and I'll watch it later. I just download. And sometimes I listen to it in the car. Uh, Daniel wants to know, can you tell us about the 2009 Strat with matching headstock, 60s edition? I just got one in surf green. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, were these only 
uh, made in Mexico or are they made in the U.S. Uh, Model 2? Uh, in the 60s edition, you're talking about the reissue edition where they did the matching headstocks uh, in 2009. My recollection was that was only a made in Mexico unit. And I believe around the same time, within a year, either direction or that same year, they did do an American uh, surf green and a uh, Daphne blue American standard Stratocaster with matching headstock but not a reissue guitar with matching headstock. So yeah, it's, um, what you should be holding in, in the guitar is what's called an FSR. So FSR stands for Fender Special Run, and what that really means is that it wouldn't be in the catalog in a lot of times. That could be in the catalog. Again, I'm doing it from memory from almost 10 years ago. Um, but uh, I have every Fender catalog from like 89 forward, so you know. Um, the... Uh, the uh, actually, you know what? I'm, it's funny. I, I'm stuttering because I'm thinking about something. I might as well just tell you. Uh, we were just talking about uh, me and Mike were talking today about fanboys and how I get a fanboyed all the time. They tell me I'm a PRS fanboy, and I always laugh because uh, out of all my guitars, half of my entire guitar collection is Fenders. Half over half my amp collection is Fenders. I own about a dozen to two dozen Fender shirts and I actually collect Fender memorabilia. So I have a dozen Fender like signs and I don't mean cause I was a dealer. Like literally I bought all the signs. Um, I even have uh, my kitchen has Fender bar stools and I have all my pint glasses are Fender pint glasses and I have uh, like 20 or 30 Fender banners in my shop. Uh, I collect Fender stuff like guys collect Harley stuff. Uh, so it's funny is that's why I have every Fender catalog. I collect them. I collect Fender logo stuff. I have Fender bottle openers, uh, Fender everything. Uh, and so it's funny. Uh, now I'm going to get hell for it. Uh, no one's ever on my channel called me a Fender fanboy. They always call me a PRS fanboy. And yet uh, the most guitars I have are Fenders. And then Ibanez is our second. And then between Ibanez and Fender, I don't have any guitars that are half as many as those two, either ones. So, uh, and that's what I play, by the way. In fact, every question anyone's ever asked me on YouTube, well, if you can only have one guitar, what would it be? It's always a Fender. What amp could you be? It's always a Fender. I'm a Fender fanboy, I think I discovered today. Um, but I'm trying not to be. <laughs> trying to diversify. Oh, by the way, this is something else too. 90% of my basses are Fender. <laughs> I own two basses that are not Fenders. Uh, there you go. Uh, no, three. Three basses that are not Fenders. Okay, so uh, so that's the deal with that Fender. So it's an FSR. So you should be able to. Uh, and in fact, when you Google stuff like that, Google with the FSR uh, uh, in there to see if that helps you uh, find it. There. Hold on one second. I'm queuing some of the uh, super chats. I try not to lose them. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> So uh, this one's out of order, but I just want to answer it. Cheddar Kung Pao uh, said, tried any of the, is it whatever, Thorpey pedals? Is it Thorpey? I don't know, Trophy? Whatever. I can't see it. Uh, it's Danish Pete. Uh, I just literally watched, uh, waiting for my daughter at school, I watched the Chapman do a review on it. That's all I know. Uh, I'm sure it sounds good. It, it looked like a cool pedal. Uh, but literally, I just watched it just now. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Danish, uh, Pete, uh, he's a YouTuber that is from the Andertons, uh, team. Uh, I think I, I sometimes get confused about that. Uh, to me, it's like, there's, uh, 
some people I think are work for Andertons and some people just hang out with the Andertons crew. I, I don't know. I, I got the impression. I think if I remember correctly, he used to work for Mesa Boogie, right? He was the guy that flew out to tell them to redo the Mesa Boogie video, you know, or something like that. Again, please don't take this guys. I know some of you guys are hardcore. Uh, I don't mean we're, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. I literally watch the stuff, but that doesn't mean I committed all the memory. Um, anyways, uh, so, but now he's got his own channel and then he does videos for Andertons. I watch a lot of his videos. He's always wearing uh, a flower shirt, a Hawaiian shirt. He's a great player and he seems like a cool dude. That's what I know about him. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, and I, I saw that he had a pedal today. In fact, I was just watching, he did a video. I watched one of his videos last week where he got in, he's uh, endorsed by um, Ernie Ball Strings and stuff. I think that's the normal trend, right? It's it's the YouTubers are like artists now, and the idea that they seem to all be getting like their own signature guitars and amps and pedals, and and then getting endorsement deals. It seems to be real commonplace now. So uh, whether people agree with it or not, I don't I don't think you have to agree with it if it happens, right? <laughs> it's happening. There, uh, so it's cool. Uh, so it looks like a cool pedal. I don't know much about it. I was curious to see how much it is because it's built in England. So. And if you guys don't know, I check out that video because it's a cool video. I enjoyed it. Uh, Scrambled Eggs 211 says, yo, 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 what up? Phil McKnight. All right, what up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, it says, you got a Squire Base 6. Any upgrade suggestions right off the bat? Uh, is there even a hard shell case that will fit it? Um, yes, there is a hard shell case that'll fit it. There's a ton of brands that make that hard shell case that fit it on the base six, uh, upgrade suggestions. <sighs> That's tough. Cause I don't want to just say something for just say it. Hold on a second. Let's do this. Give me one second. We got a minute to look at something. It, if it only takes 30 seconds to get the answer, right. You might as well take the 30 seconds. Um, you know, I don't, I, I would suggest upgrading the tuning keys and the nut. Definitely. That's where I would put the, the majority. If you're going to do any upgrades, uh, the plastic nuts, probably not that great. Uh, in fact, I know it's not that great. Ditch that. And that's where I would put my money. If you do an upgrade, then in order of importance for me, I'm looking here, I'll share with you guys. All right, in order of importance, I'd upgrade this nut. Then I would upgrade the tuning keys. Then I would probably upgrade these uh, these electronics, the potentiometer and the output jack. Output jack first, because it's going to be a pretty crappy one, and uh, do that. Uh, the the bridge and stuff, you can upgrade that stuff, but I, I can't tell you for sure I've had a problem with that. Overall, I've, I've had good luck with this uh, Squire model, but the nut and the tuning keys are first and foremost on my mind for upgrades. Uh, so there you go. And the nut is most important. The nut is the most important thing to, to upgrade on a lot of guitars because it doesn't cost a lot of money to fix. Uh, okay. Uh, Craig wants to know, are the Ignator 412 cab cabinets with oh auto automatics? Uh, oh, this is cool. I didn't even know they had this. Automatic impedance sensing usable with non-Ignator amps. Uh now, obviously, I'm not very versed in the products, so I can't just shoot off an answer, but my gut says yes, because I don't know how the automatic impedance sensing would know 
what the amp brand is. I can't imagine there's a signal coming out of the amp uh, that's telling the the uh, unit anything. It's probably uh, as easy as uh, it just it's reading the impedance. It's got something that senses the impedance. I would definitely check that, but my guess is no. Uh, that you could probably use any amplifier uh, with it. Um, and then it says, uh, should the cheaper fixed impedance 412s be used instead? Yeah, you know what? I don't know, uh, and I know uh, I know you took the time to ask the question and do a super chat, but uh, man, I, I would check. The good news is um, I can reach out to um, Bruce Eggnator. We're friends on Facebook. Maybe he'll respond to me uh, and uh, ask him, and then get back to you next week. How does that sound, Craig? I will. I will definitely give you a official answer from. Well, at least from try from Bruce. I got a feeling he'll answer. We, we seem to have a good relationship back and forth on Facebook. Uh, Matt Wells says, hey, Phil, which would you recommend? New player series, main Mexico Strat, or use American Standard? Use American Standard. And I like the American player series Strat, but the question of the day is always going to be, do you like Squire? Yes. What do you think is better, Squire or use Mexican Strat? Use Mexican Strat. Do you like Mexican Strats? I do. What do you think is better, use Mexican Strat or American Strat? Use American Strat. Used, I think, is always a be better proposition in the long run than new. Uh, it's uh, for a thousand reasons. Used is a great deal. Um, the only downfall with used is if you have no idea what you're doing, what you're looking at, what you're buying, you could be taken advantage of, especially with used. So you need to be aware. Uh, but the beautiful part of the new world, the internet, is that you can buy from reputable people with not only a track record that you can verify, but also under criteria like reverb or use with stores with used gear, we have a return policy. So if, uh, if anyone asked me, said, hey, if I can, let me get a scenario, uh, 550, let's say $600, $600 for American or American Strat new or $600 to $700 for American Standard Strat used, do the American Standard Strat. First of all, hopefully the American Standard Strat used is coming to the case because it came with a new. So the case itself is a, is a good value. Plus, an American Strat is a timeless thing, and I say that owning both. One thing that's nice about us uh, Strats, for me and Tellys, is I own one of all of them. I have uh, I have an American Standard Custom Shop. No, what did I say standard for? I have a Fender Custom Shop Strat. I have a Fender Deluxe Strat. I have a Fender uh, Professional Strat and a Standard Strat as well, and then a Mexican Strat um, and a Player Strat. And... And the reason I is not because I'm collecting all these strat different models. It's just as I find strats I like, that just happened to be what they were. You know what I mean? My Mexican strat, I love. I didn't buy it because it was inexpensive or it was, a, you know, I was trying to save some money or I wanted a Mexican strat for any other reason. I just, that guitar was great. It sounded amazing. Um, it's stock to this day. Uh, the black strat that I play, the Mexican standard, uh, nothing has been upgraded, not pickups or anything. I loved it when I fell in, when I played it in the store. I loved it. I bought it. I still love it to this day. I put it against any other there. I could, I pick up 50 American strats every day and I like this even more, but if given a choice, I would probably still pick an American strat and a standard strat if the price points are comparable. Um, but I'm curious, this is a good point. I love this. Maybe I should do this more. I'm really curious what you guys out there think. Let me know because I know that we have a good community here and I know it's not about, you know, uh, picking on people. It's about literally just sharing ideas. I'm curious to see what you think because I can see both sides of the coin. But like I said, I'm curious how many of you would never buy the American Standard over the Made in Mexico 
new. Tell me if you agree with me, that's great, but I'm really curious if you don't agree with me. Give me the argument and give Matt the argument why the made in Mexico new is a better deal than the American standard used. I'd really be curious. Um, so there you go. I'm curious to see what you guys think. I know you guys are, are, are always a wealth of knowledge. Uh, so as well, uh, J J N J says head rush helix or analog. I don't know, JJ. I've never tried the head rush uh, pedal. I'm really curious. I've heard really good things about the head rush. Uh, ironically, I have a lot of friends who own the head rush and uh, the head rush was what I was looking at when I mentioned a couple weeks ago about trying out the helix of head rush. The head rush is where I decided to go based on all my friends feedback. I was like, oh, it's a thousand bucks. It looks good. Everybody said the touchscreen is really you know, nice and interactive. And then that's when Line 6 uh, sent the Helix. Uh, so I have a Helix in my possession, and so far I'm digging it. Uh, I just don't have a comparison against the Head Rush. Um, so the question is uh, Helix, Head Rush. So you're obviously digital versus analog, question mark. Um, I prefer an amplifier. Um, but I don't think, I think for me, again, uh, at this point, and the reason I'm saying this, not to save anybody's feelings, it's not that. It's really a, it's really where I'm at. It's hard to say something when I just started. I just started the Helix, uh, you know, rabbit hole. I'm down I'm messing with the, the the stuff on the Helix. Uh, to me, a lot of people always talk about online the Helix and the head rush against amps. You know, it's like, but to me, amps are still a thing that I I hold near and dear to my heart, and I really love the way they sound. But effects, pedals, Helix is really interesting problem for me because although I could argue at this point when I'm comparing the Helix, maybe the um, the Vox to an actual Vox amp, you know, I could argue the feeling difference and maybe there's some differences and I'm going through that. But when I pull up the Helix, like Tube Screamer tone, man, it sounds like a Tube Screamer to me. When I pulled up, uh, it's, you know, when I pull up all its uh, individual effects pedals, they're pretty legitimate for what they are uh so i don't know um i don't think it has to be an or thing it could be and i think if you look at look at looks look at let's look at the talented musicians using these products pete thorne's a good example pete thorne um uh you know you, where you see and i'm just picking on pete because i've see, seen a lot of, enough of his content to be versed in it to know he's he's an analog guy he prefers like i said his favorite amp is like a marshall plexi uh maybe his Probably the Pete Thorne amp. But then his second paper is like the Marshall Plexi. He loves the loud, roaring tube amp. Uh, and, a, and he loves uh, pedals. But practicality-wise, those effects units, like the Helix, the Head Rush, the Axe Effects, the Kemper, they have a great purpose. And I've seen a lot of musicians that are doing that. They use both. Uh, it's like, why not have both? Why not have your cake and eat it too? Uh, that's how I feel so far about the Helix. I think so many people have been commenting to me like, hey, now that you've got the Helix, you got to get rid of all that stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why does one mean that I have to stop using the other? You know what I mean? Um, I have an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar because to me, they, they have different purposes. I have an electric guitar that can sound like an acoustic guitar. I have my music man. It's behind me, I think. You can see it in shot, right? Yeah, it's up there. Uh, it's up there. Um, it has an acoustic thing. This uh, Axe, or this uh, uh, Variac guitar has... Uh, a Varax guitar has acoustic setting. Uh, so I can make electric sound acoustic. I have a Godin that has an acoustic piezo system. Um, but I still want an acoustic. So I think it's not so much 
Uh, and amps, I embrace the same thing. I have solid state amps that I absolutely love. I have Roland solid state amps. We talked about this before. The Katanas. Uh, there's some fantastic solid state amps. Uh, so to me, it's it's not or, it's and, unless it's a budget restriction. Budget restrictions are always a always a factor. You can't negate that. Can you buy a a, a two thousand dollar or twenty five hundred dollar Axfx and a twenty five hundred dollar amp? I don't know. That's for you to decide in your budget. Um, but if, if given, uh, I will tell you this, the one thing the Helix has done for me, and this will help you, JJ, uh, NJ, uh, is it's let me rethink a couple things. I don't know if I would, now having he uh, Headrush, Helix, Axefx, and Kemper, would I still want seven different amplifiers? Or would I really have three amplifiers in one of those units? Because here's what I'm noticing. Uh, I'm enjoying the the Axe Effects a lot, or not Axe Effects, I'm sorry, the Helix a lot, and especially in um, in the idea that there's a couple things about it that I don't think I can still achieve with some of the amps I have, but there's some things on it that I don't see the need for those amps and the other amps anymore. So, um, and if you're curious which ones, I'll have the review soon. Like I said, I'm taking the review very serious because it's a very, it's very fun for me. It's like, it's the first product that I reviewed in a while where I feel like I'm back in the beginning of, of YouTube days where it's, you know, it's really an adventure for me. You know, it's not just like a content that somebody asked me to do. It's like, wow, what am I, what, I want to check this out and see what happens. Um, okay. Uh, let me hit, because you, you guys popped up a bunch of super chats, but uh, let me hit some non-super chat questions because I like to find all the good questions and super chats are usually really good, but let's see what else we got. Um... um Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> you guys, bunch of questions. Okay, so here's one. I just uh, I'm gonna read the question and see what I, how it goes. Jim Jeff says, "What do you think of this combo on uh, the Strat?" So he's talking about a combination of pickups. He says a '69 neck pickup, a Fat Fifties middle uh, reverse wound, right? Okay, that's important. And uh, with a Shawbucker in the bridge. Um, uh, yeah, it, that sounds almost perfect to me. Uh, what I'm not really familiar with is the fat fifties in the middle. Like what, what's the advantage of that? I would like the 69 pickup in the neck and middle and then the Shawbuck in the bridge. I'd be happy with that. But to be very transparent, I prefer the 69 neck pickup, uh, over the fat fifties all day long. The fat fifties is very confusing to me. I think the fat fifties is a mistake. Here's why I think it's a mistake. I think uh, uh, Fender decided to push the Fat 50s pickups because a lot of people's perceptions, right? They leaned into the customer perception. The perception is that the Fat 50s are fat. They are bright pickups. Uh, they are not. <laughs> like if somebody says, I'm looking for a really, you know, warm, big Strat tone. The Fat 50s to me is like, the, that's the opposite on a spectrum of like bright to, to, to warm uh Fat 50s are somewhere like if this is 10 and this is zero, this is being uh, uh, warm and this is being bright. They're they're a nine. They're close to the to the brightest. Uh, where the 69 uh, pickups, uh, 60s era pickups are warmer, a little more output, a little more kick, a little more bass response, uh, more mids, upper mids too. Um, so I, I I tend to like that pickup more than the Fat 50s. Th that being said, uh, but in the middle, I don't know if it matters, you know, because you're just gonna be you know in the middle position 
you're not going to use that in much. You're going to use two and four. So I, I think you've got a good combination there. But me personally, the only thing I would change is I would just do this 69 pickup in both. Uh, yeah, Sean, Sean Brown, uh, I appreciate you, uh, doing the super chat, especially just to tell me this, cause it's something that I've heard before and it's really important. Uh, I need to try out the IRs, the impulse responses, speaker impulse responses in the helix before you do the final review. Yes. Um, you know, the, the thing about the helix is, so what I do with the video, I don't know. I have done the unboxing Helix video. I did, I've done a couple videos of the Helix just because I don't know where the video is that, you know, maybe I should release the unboxing to you guys where I unbox it, I check it out. Uh, that literally, I unbox it and see how much can I figure out with it, what can I do with it in a very short period of time, and I have that video. Um, but, yes, I want to actually check it out because uh, I think there's a lot of players out there like me that um, are amp guys. Uh, and gals and uh, or pedal guys and gals and they're like hey I, I don't know this is a mysterious world of these access effects because it's you can't impulse buy these units you know um, I have bought in the past you know a, a $300 line 6 processor or a boss processor used I have bought that stuff and had fun with it you know but you know the, the helix uh, I have the helix LT and that's a thousand new and still $700 used I don't know about you guys, $700 is not where I go, hey, let's throw my money and see what happens. Like, I, that's legitimate money. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got to want something to, to pull out that much cash. Um, and so not knowing you want it, it's hard to just invest in it. Um, so all these units are a little scary to me. That's why, like I said, the uh, Head Rush was my forerunner at the $1,000 price point. Um the, so that I, I I really appreciate the suggestion. You're not the only one, and and I, I it's nice to hear how important that is because it's something I really wouldn't have thought about looking at uh, doing. Uh, Dave R says Duncan SSL five. I think he's giving a suggestion. I like the SSL five too as well. So you know. Okay. Um. Iron Basis says, Philip never answers my questions. I think what I'm going to do, I told you, I tell you guys all the time, if I don't see your question, you got to just repost the question. You can repost a number at the end, like I said before, you know, how many times you've asked, times two, times three, or something like that. Because uh, otherwise I just said, I just wasted, Philip never answers my question. So Iron Basis, that's what I saw. There's there's 800 of us watching now in this thing. You guys see what, I, you guys are looking at what I'm looking at. Try to answer questions. You see, I'm talking, answer questions. Hard to see. I, I really wish I could get to everybody's question. I mean, I do deep down. I hope you understand. If I had the power, <laughs> I would do it. If, if I, I don't know, I, I, I get anyone who's in my, anyone's on my Patreon, they will back me up on this. Matt Harrison. Uh, I could spend eight hours doing this. No problem answering every question. I just don't think anyone else would stick with me. Uh, but I'm, on the patron hangs, we have done nine and 10 hours straight. So, uh, yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rob Oliver says, have you ever played any of the great Swart tube amps? I own a Swart uh, amp. I own a 5-watt. Uh, their smaller 6v6 tube amps are fantastic and price similar to Fender Champs. Uh, yeah, I have one. Um, 
this is the discussion we had before, uh, which is I have some stuff that I've never, you know, that I own that I bought for myself and I never reviewed it. This is so, you know, not exclusive to me. I have seen this many times now, um, where, uh, where YouTubers, <laughs> I say YouTubers, YouTubers, um, hold on a second. I'm okay. There you go, Michael. I just put you as uh, moderator. So, um, uh, we talk about this all the time. We review the product that people request. We re review the product that uh, that uh, um, that companies send us product for, but we sometimes don't get to review our own product. Uh, that's why when I'm doing the five things, I'm just kind of putting some of the product, like I finally got to a Supro and put that in there. So I'll get to the Swart. It's a good amp. There's a lot of that stuff. I sometimes, I it's, so you know, biggest regret I have when it comes to gear reviews is not always reviewing all the stuff I own. Uh, and But it's hard when a company sends you a product, whether they're loaning to you or letting you keeping it, keep it. Uh, it's hard uh, for me if I do a video and they send me a product, and then I, a couple days later I do a video, and go, "Hey, this is my thing." You know, I got this. Like I, I bought a noise suppressor this week. <laughs> it's funny. It's right here. I bought it. Zim's guitars, uh, fifty bucks used. Uh, I think I told you guys this. I buy a used Boss pedal anytime I see a deal on one. So um, if I don't have it, I don't just buy every Boss pedal. But anyways. Um, it's hard for me if I were to review this, if I knew a company sent me a pedal to review, I feel bad because they're like, you know, they sent the pedal and, you know, uh, you're trying to be fair to everybody. You know what I mean? I try to take everybody, I try to show everybody some respect. Um, yeah, Beast Rich, 581 says, holy crap, 10 hours. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't done it. We don't do 10 hours every time. We've done 10 hours before. I think 11 maybe even as the high and you'd have to ask some of the patrons and maybe they put a comment. We definitely done eight. Like it's no problem over and over again though. Um, and some of them are crazy enough. They hang out. A lot of them hang out the entire time. A lot of them though. It's funny though, when somebody hangs out with us for a couple hours and then they leave and then they come back later and they go, I had, I went to dinner and went to the mall with the kids and just came back and you guys are still talking. Um, oh, uh, Martin court says, Hey Phil, what's your thoughts on Tokai guitars? I want one. I want a Tokai Les Paul copy. I look on reverb all the time. So, you know, uh, when the right one is there, the right weight, the right one, that's what I want. I, w I love Tokai uh, guitars. If you guys don't know Tokai, Tokai makes, I hope I'm saying it right. Somebody's going to be like, it's not Tokai, it's whatever, but Tokai. Uh, they make like Strat copies. They make copies. They're, they're what we know. You know, they're like, the, they're like, uh, they're like Ibanez used to make made in Japan copies of guitars, uh, Gibsons and Fenders. They make great Gibson and Gibson. But to me, they almost have like their own. It's like, I, you know, for lack of a better explanation, there's a difference to me between a copy and a replica. You know what I mean? It's like, they, I know it's a play on words. Like one is just like a, it looks like the thing. And one is like, it's really like the thing. Uh, so they, Tokai makes, Amazing guitars, um, and uh, major uh, yeah. So, uh, Martin, that's easy. Um, I want one. So, so. Uh, okay, well, let's hit a couple more of the cued. I have a couple cued questions. Um, Daniel wants to know what amp to play metal and clean jazzy tones at 400 bucks. Uh, the 6505 mini by PB will do that. I'm going to say that's amps like 500 bucks, right? But used, you can find it for 350. 
that amp will definitely do clean. I like the clean on that amp. That definitely does metal. Um, what else is in the $400 range that does both? Um, I'm kind of staying sticking to tube amps, but really you can do clean amps as well, too. You know, another great amp uh, to play metal and jazzy tones for me, uh, something I use, is the Roland Cubes. I use the Roland Cube 40. You can use the Roland Cube 82 as well. 80 also, not 82. It's 80 also. Uh, you can find them for 400 bucks. They have a great jazz clean tone. Uh, you can even get the JC, uh, the Jazz Chorus 120. They have a selector to give you that ultimate kind of clean uh, roll and tone. They definitely have the metal sound going. So if you want solid state, uh, Katana will do it for sure. You know, anything, anything solid state is going to give you a great jazz clean tone because it's, well, not anything, but a lot of the solid states will give you that great jazz clean tone. Uh, with that, because the tubes you don't have to worry about tubes trying to break up or anything like that, especially in the lower wattages. Uh, and then metal, uh, a lot of them will have that metal as well. So, a lot of modeling amps will do what you're asking, but in the tube realm, I like the PV6505. What else do I like for the ultimate kind of clean in the $400 range? That's the tough. I mean, because I'm looking around the room, none of the Fender amps, because none of the Fender amps in the $400 range, um, do both, in my opinion. Base breaker, maybe, but. So, um, Eggnators will do it. They're right. They have a good clean channel and a good dirty channel. Um, and I, I even say Blackstar. So Blackstar will do it. They have a good in the four dollar range. Uh, okay, HK says, "Hey Phil, what ways are older Korean Epiphone Les Pauls considered superior to newer Chinese ones? I just ordered one. Thank you. Uh, well, the reason they're in what way they're considered superior is in the hierarchy." We, we talked about this before on a live show. Uh, American guitars were covered as like the best. And and the reason is, and, and so in case anybody's commenting later, you know, there's British guitars, there's German guitars, there's Canadian guitars, there's Spanish guitars from Spain. There's, you, you name it. But American guitars are known, obviously, because Fender and Gibson are the two predominant American brands and they're, they're the biggest. So American guitars are known as uh, making great guitars. But then in the electric guitar world, don't worry about acoustics. We're talking about electrics. But then you have the Japan, you know, Japan guitars, you know, and that's everything from the Tokai I just talked about to Ivanez, you know, right? So uh, ESP back in the day. And um, you, and now even with E2. So uh, so those guitars, revered, okay? So J Japan. When I started playing guitar, Japan was not considered as good as American guitars. Japan's what you bought if you couldn't afford American guitar. But I didn't know that as a kid because that's, you know, to me, the, that was the Ibanez guitars were kicking and that was a guitar um, that to have. Again, you know, everything's about your age. It's when you started playing guitar. It's what was available. So then you go on and Korean guitars, like if you want to, so, when, so if you bought American, you were buying premium, then you bought Japanese. But then there was Korean guitars. There was always Chinese guitars too, but then Korean. And Korean guitars were like, well, that was like the affordable versions. Like they had Korean-made Ibanezes were affordable versions of the Japanese. Fender had Korean-made guitars, affordable versions of the Americans, and Fender had Japanese. Um, so that's how it went. And then uh, what happens is everything does. Then we added the China level. And then, of course, Indonesia came. And then, uh, you know, now we have India and there's Vietnam and, you know, as mainstays. And so in this, obviously, what happens is each one, uh, as a new element jumps in, the elements uh, before it get kind of placed higher on the on the uh, on the on the tiers. And so uh, Korean guitars are considered superior to the Chinese guitars. True. Uh, 
Probably. I think so. I like Korean guitars as a whole. I think they make great good stuff. I've been on the record. It's funny. I actually got misquoted once in the funniest way. I've actually been, I actually said in a long time in a video, not a live show like this, but in a video, I said, I think Korean guitars make the best guitars for the best price. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. I'm allowed to say whatever I want. It's my opinion. My opinion is if you want the best guitar for the best money, Korean, Schechter, Reverend, um, uh, Gretsch Electromatic, uh, Samic guitars that were made in Korea, Cork guitars that were made in Korea, obviously the Epiphones made in Korea. Um, I love the uh, Fender Telecaster. You know what? The Fender makes a Telecaster in the current lineup. So, you know, the HH that has uh, the FMT HH, uh, which has uh, made in Korea. Um, now you have to double check. Could have moved to Indonesia. PRSSE guitars are made in Korea. Now they're made in Indonesia. So, uh, and I said, hey, I think they make the best stuff for the best money. And I own a ton of Korean guitars. In fact, I'm a sucker for Korean. In fact, look behind me. That Dan Electro is made in Korea, and so is that Schecter. That's why, and so is that Gretsch. So, um, and so is that uh, that guitar. <laughs> so, in hey, let's play a game. So, uh, America, 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 Mexico, Korea, 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 Japan, USA, Korea. So, without a doubt. Oh, and was playing the rack too. Why not? Uh, we got America. America, Korea, Japan, China, America. So, and the China one is my mini guitar. And then over here, I got three American guitars, four American guitars. So, um, so in my personal preference, as you can see, I prefer Korean guitars, Japanese guitars, American guitars. Those are my preferences. I, I tend to lean towards those guitars. Um, and uh, and the majority of the guitars I have is Korean guitars because of cost, you know, in my whole collection, I understand what's in the room, but my whole collection, Korean guitars the most. I own Chinese guitars. I love them now and Indonesian guitars too, but uh, Korean guitars. So that's why the premium's there. That's why when you're seeing people, you know, uh, the Korean Epiphone, it's because we know now that Korea makes good guitars. Um, just like people didn't, you know, used to, and it has nothing to do with guitars too, by the way. Uh, uh, I said this on a, I think on a Patreon or a private uh, video, but we didn't talk about it on the public one. You know, uh, my wife's father, it, he's a union worker. You, he, he's a superintendent for a large electrical company, but he works in a union and he's bought American guitars, his, our American cars his whole life. Uh, my family is the same way, American cars her whole life. Me and my wife were the first, pe first people in both our families. So it's not just in her family or my family, both. We're the first people to buy a Japanese car. We bought a, um, what was the first one we ever bought? Honda. We bought a Honda. First one. So um, it was like a big deal. Now it's funny is everybody in our family, both our families, own Japanese cars. In fact, I own a Korean car now. Um, so, uh, but at the time, it was like you were buying a cheaper car. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Now people revere Japanese cars. But at the time, it was like Japanese cars were cheaper cars. So maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's racism. Who the hell knows? I don't know, uh, but I do know that I—I I, uh, that's the hierarchy, and that's why it goes that way. And I'm sure what helped uh, Japanese cars in America was that they started being Korean cars. So all of a sudden, people started going, "Oh, American cars," and you know, obviously there was German cars, but you understand there's American cars, and then Japanese cars, and then Korean cars. I'm sure, it was the same way. So maybe one day there'll be Chinese cars in the U.S. Well, actually, I think the reason there's not Chinese cars is because all the cars have Chinese parts in them. Maybe that's the logic. Just like the Korean guitars probably have Chinese parts. All right, there's a there's a lesson on that. Okay, let's hit the last couple of questions and then we're gonna we're gonna close it up this week. Um, okay, 
some of them came out of order. I don't want to lose any of them. I'm not losing any of you guys' uh, questions. Hold on a second. It says, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Beaver Monkey says, PRS MT15 versus Mega Bo Mesa Boogie Mini Rectifier. Which one? Do I prefer the PRS MT15. Uh, I've owned both. I love the Mini Rectifier. Uh, if I was going to stake my uh, my name on which one I think is probably built better, I mean, Mesa Boogie to me is the premium when it comes to just, they just know how to build stuff. But the, I hate to say it, the MT-15 wins in two categories, which are important. The clean is slightly better than the rectifier. It's just a little warmer, fuller, probably because those big six cell, six tubes. Um, and also the distortion on it is a little bit, you know, more to my liking, less spongy, more quicker attack, more modern sounding. Uh, you know what I mean? And the only thing, and so that's my preference. Plus it's less money. I know it's made in China versus made in the USA, but it's less money. It sounds good. Uh, I sold my mini rectifier to get the rectiverb. I sold the rectiverb. I now have the MT15. Whether I keep the MT15 or not, I don't know. Um, but I can tell you, I would not sell my MT15 to get a Mesa Boogie uh, mini rec anymore. Um, but so you know, out of the three, I also have the mini um, Mark V. Uh, without a doubt, the Mark V is my favorite mini by far. Uh, the, the MT15, that, when I say I might sell my MT, MT15 in a long time, that's what it is. As much as I like that MT15, just like the Mesa Boogie Mini Rack and stuff, I prefer the Mark V Mini. It's just the amp I like. I love it. Dual reverbs. It just, it's to me, it's like my Swiss Army knife of, of fun. Um, Joseph says, Hey, Phil, looking to put some, uh, put a part caster together. Which six screw vintage style bridge do you recommend? I'm looking at the Callahan uh, bridge. That's, uh, yeah, go with that. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I, somebody else asked me this too. Love that bridge. So, so if you're thinking that way, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, easy to read name. That is funny. The sign-on is easy to read name. Hey, Phil, best tweed pedal, in your opinion, boutique or cheap? Been looking at the love pedal, uh, Les Lewis. Ah, uh, yeah, for a tweed. Uh, yeah, these are, you guys got the easiest things because you're giving me the answers. You shouldn't give me the answer because then it sounds like I'm just agreeing with you. But yeah, I, I agree uh, for the best tweed pedal sound. Um, yes, but let me know if you guys have suggestions. I'm trying to think if I have something different than that pedal that I like as much. And I don't think, think so. So that's the way I would go. I'm, I'm a huge love pedal fan. So, you know, um, I have a lot of love pedals. Um, I was very excited when Love Pedals got started making the, the uh, uh, Zen Drive. And um, I always liked them. I don't know why. You know what I love pedal? Uh, love. You know what I love about Love Pedals? If you guys don't know who Love Pedals is, they're, they're um, you know, they're considered one of the higher-end brands of pedals. They're, a, you know, a boutique builder, if that's such a thing. Um, I'm a little, you know, you're not supposed to say boutique pedals, I guess. But anyways, uh, it's that. Um, but they're really reasonably priced. They, they, were, they have a better price point than a lot of companies. So very reasonable in perspective. Uh, David Morissette says, uh, which effects unit, if you have a pedal board, do you love? Um, I just want to make sure I understand the question because it says, why effects unit? But I said, which? Why effects unit, if you have a pedal board, do you love? Or pedal board you love? We're going to come back to that, David, because um, I might need to re-clarify that and then maybe process it a second. Uh, Sean Brown, 
Oh, no, I did Sean's already. So we'll do Tony. Tony says, uh, your view on the Epiphone Les Paul line under 150. Uh, played the LP special and surprised at how nice it sounds and how nice it, the neck was. So, Tony, this is a great, great question. So when it comes to guitars in the under $200 price point, and I'm going to set that as a, as a baseline, 200 bucks, as we talked about earlier, baseline pricing. If you pick up a $200 guitar, $150 guitar, $100 guitar, you pick it up and you say, hey, Phil, this guitar is amazing. Buy that guitar. Don't put that guitar back and then buy another one like it. I will guarantee you that if you picked up 20 guitars that are 150 bucks, there is going to be two, being nice, could be as little as one, two guitars that are just perfect. And then there'll be seven or eight that are good. And then there's some meh, and then there's a couple bad ones. Uh, and that's my experience with those low price guitars. Uh, so uh, yes, so that's the reality. You know what I mean? So if you picked it up in a store and you liked it and you played it, I would go back and get it if you want it. Um, go back and get that guitar. So, uh, yes. Uh, I, I think I've said this before. One of my strats that I have is I have a strat bullet. It has Wiggins pickups in it, which are worth double what the guitar is worth. <laughs> I love that strat. I play that strat all the time. In fact, I'm about to do a, a crazy thing where I'm going to just fix it up. I, I, even though I said I'd never do that, I'm just going to put new tuners and do all stuff. And I've had it for years. Love that strat. I put it up against all my other strats. Um, just it came, it came out of the box that day. I picked it up one day and it was fantastic. So I've got to turn my computer down. It's loud. Okay. So uh, Daniel wants to know. My action's extra high on my Ibanez JSMCO, or it buzzes bad. Uh, what's wrong? Uh, bridges parallel to the body, but not flushed with the cavity where it sits. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying. So it's high, unplayable. Then when you lower it, that's when it buzzes because I don't know it buzzes. Um, you're going to have to take a... So that, that tells me that the buzzing is obviously from the strings hitting the frets and uh, when you're setting the action low. The, the big issue is you probably have a couple bad spots on your fretboard. Uh, it happens. Um, you know, it used to be Ibanez never had that issue. That was back in the day. But now the world is different. So Ibanez sometimes have problems. Uh, so my guess is that you want to get a fret rocker and check all the frets. So... Um, Again, uh, good news, uh, or bad news, depending on how you look at it. Good news is I have a video I just did on that. I just did a ton of content uh, for repair. Um, and uh, I'm experimenting with the idea how to release it. I think I'm going to release it as a binge watch. I've never done that before. It's an interesting idea. I've been contemplating it, uh, releasing like five videos literally at the same time that you watch one after another if you want to. I don't know. Or don't watch them at all. I don't know. <laughs> uh but yeah, in your case, your issue is you—you definitely got an issue with frets. But again, we're—we're we're doing this verbally. I'm not looking at anything. It's hard to guess. But I would definitely take a fret rocker and check all those frets to see where the culprits are. Um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland says, uh, "Hey Phil, just bought a 1977 Guild D40 Dreadnought. That's a great guitar. The old pickup in it was wrecked. Suggestions for a discreet." Uh, acoustic pickup to replace with it um it depends uh you know obviously if you're going to do the in saddle pickup you know for a piezo system 
Uh, I like LR bags. That's what I use for most of my, my pickups. Uh, Fishman makes great stuff, but I prefer LR bags. Uh, no particular reason. I wish I could give you like some, like this is why LR, bar, LR bags the best, but I like that. My, pr my preference for acoustics is to use a, a piezo system under the bridge and then run the preamplifier, uh, the preamp outside the guitar. Don't have one installed. Um, if you have one installed, you just go with it. But otherwise, run the, the line acoustic and then run a preamp outside. And the reason is is because preamps never last. And if you love the guitar, uh, the guitar will last forever, but the preamp will not. So having an external is something you can either upgrade, change, get rid of uh, if it breaks or if you're just sick of it. So something like that. There's a lot of great preamp pedals. But... Uh, Uh, David, I, I'm just saying it because I can't understand the question. It says, word count limited comment. Okay. It says, why multi-effects if? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I don't know. Okay. On that being said, 872, you guys. Man, you guys are awesome. Um. I can go a few more minutes. I have reservations tonight. Taking my daughter out to dinner. My wife and son have been out of town for two weeks helping her parents move. So I'm um, trying to um, double duty, doing all the stuff for the workload I'm normally doing, plus, you know, feeding the animals and taking care of of, of my daughter. Uh, so, um, but we have time. And, I, and you have... <laughs> <laughs> Hose of technology. Hey, what's up? Love your question. Particular accessory that nobody is making? Asking for a friend? That's funny. I love it. That landed. That's a joke that landed. We were talking about that earlier today, too. Jokes that people put on comments but don't land. Uh, so Hose of technology for a friend wants to know if there's a particular accessory that nobody is making. Uh, you guys... You know, I'm going to give an answer, but I really want you guys to answer this question because that's, uh, I'm just, I'm not saying that Hose's friend would make a particular accessory <laughs> that you guys suggest. I'm just saying they might, the friend might make the accessory that you guys suggest. Uh, what's a particular product that's nobody making for an accessory? Um, so I'm curious, man, I'd love to hear you guys' suggestions. What would I, uh, what product would I suggest or what suggestion do I have that nobody's making? Um you know, one cable I like is breaker cables where they, they have breakers on them. I really like those cables, and I don't think enough companies make breaker cables. Um, because what happens with the breaker cable for me is I end up having to use certain brands because of that feature. Uh, but I like the idea of a breaker cable. The So I'm curious to see what your guys' suggestions are. Hey, Joseph Peoples just said, say hi to my daughter. I will. That's part of the daily routine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know what you meant, but I'm like, yes. She, <laughs> like, I say good morning, hello. She's a, she's a young teen, so she still kind of wants to talk to me. That's just how that works. I'm not cool. Even being on YouTube don't make me cool. So doesn't. Well, you know why? Because I'm on YouTube for guitar stuff. If I was on YouTube for something, whatever, that cool. I don't watch cool YouTube, so I don't know. I watch gear. Um, and then uh, Joe McCarthy wants me to have a couple brews on him this weekend. Thanks, man. One vet to another. Thank you for your service. Uh, I appreciate that. The uh, And then, uh, oh, Matt Harrison says a budget reactive load box. You know what? 
you know what, Hosa, uh, that is a that is a product that I would imagine you guys would be really good at uh, making a, an interesting reactive load box because um, Hosa, of course, knows cables. Um, that would be an interesting thing. Uh, that was a good suggestion. I like that. So good job, Matt. That's a good suggestion. Um, okay. Um, all right. On that note, let's do one more. Why not? We got it left. We got left. Hey, KS97 says hello from Japan. Hello. Um, oh, Andrew Taylor, is the Kiesel ever happening? You know what happened with the Kiesel is Kiesel's back ordered. Like, so if I order a guitar, I mean, it's going to, I mean, that should prompt me to get in the line to get it done. Um, but, uh, uh, that's what kind of pushed it back. So, you know, was right when I decided that I wanted a Kiesel and right when I kind of the stars lined up to do the thing, uh, then, uh, Jeff Kiesel does a video and he's like, Hey, you know, I can't even get to the guitars we got. And that kind of really like, uh, so, you know, that's two things for me. One, uh, when he said he's at max capacity, that's concerning to me. Cause two, you know, cause that's what he's basically saying. He's like, we can't even keep up with the guitar orders we got. And when he said that, one, uh, that means you're going to wait a little while for it. And two, uh, that makes me a little nervous because mistakes happen when you run people too hard, right? If you guys, everybody has a job and they know, you know, uh, anybody ever seen the Lucille Ball show where she's like, you know, trying to do the candies and she starts eating them, right? You can't, can't keep up. You make mistakes. So it kind of made me a little nervous, um, uh, especially since this isn't going to be a cheap guitar for me. You know, the one I'm looking at is, you know, it's $1,500 ish and that's a lot of money. Uh, so yes, is it happening? Kiesel is a guitar that I, uh, want a guitar. I want one of their guitars. Um, and, uh, so that, yes. Um, the other thing is I will be in California in September. So, and I'm going to have to go towards that way. So maybe I can stop by, especially since the entire time I'm in California, I'm there to make content. It's not like I'm going with the family for a family vacation. Uh, this is literally, I'm going to California for days to do a ton of content. Uh, and, uh, that's something I could do when I'm there is go their showroom and check stuff out. So, uh, but yes. Uh, and thank you for following up because that also helps too. Cause sometimes it kind of follows a little, you know, it floats away, so to speak, drifts away from the, my thoughts. Um, man, you go online again this weekend and look at their stuff again. So, well, as, Hey, Tony says, oh, I'm in California. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and see if I can do a restream clinic in California. If you guys are interested in that. Uh, my plan is I'm going to California for three days. I would like to, to be a five day thing. That's what I'd like to do when I'm there, do a restring event one day. I'm going to the GNL factory. These are all, I'll tell you the confirmed stuff, uh, since the end of the show and I'll do the shout outs cause I got a couple shout outs. Um, uh, I'm going to go in the uh, September. Uh, so you go, Luis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects are coming to Arizona in September. We're going to go see Slash. They bought me a ticket to go see Slash. They want to hang out with me for the day. They're just going to be happy to be great guys. Check out Pedal Pal Effects. Those guys, amazing, amazing guys. Very passionate. So they literally just say, hey, we're going to be in the U.S., Phil. Can we come by and say hi? I said, yes, let's hang out. And then they're like, hey, we bought you a ticket to go see Slash. 
So we're going to have lunch and go see Slash. Then when I'm done with that, I'm driving to California, and I'm doing uh, a video with uh, Tim Pierce. If you guys know Tim Pierce, which you should, I'll put a link in the description. One of the best channels out there. One of the best players out there. Um, and then there's some other YouTubers that may interact with us and do some video content. None of that's confirmed. Um, but what is confirmed is I will be going to the GNL factory. That is for sure. That has been established. Uh, so that will happen. I'll be able to uh, answer a ton of the GNL questions we've been asking for a while. And uh, yeah, would I like to check out the Kiesel factory on there too as well? Maybe do, like I said, a restring uh, uh, event. Uh, when I'm there, I would love to do that uh, in California, especially since I'm recovering everything from LA to almost San Diego. I'm sure at some point we could find a spot to do that stuff. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, suggestions on that would be great. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, somebody's comment about the uh, California gas prices. I, I understand, man. You know what? It, it's it, it's cool with me. My car takes almost no gas. So uh, uh, yes. I'm, I'm very aware. I've been to California many times just this year. So uh, gas is a lot more expensive there than it is here. Uh, no, uh, Jimmy says Slash with who? It's Slash, right? Is somebody uh, somebody know what I'm talking about? It's just Slash, right? Isn't he on tour? Just him? Something like that, right? I don't think it's with Miles Kennedy. Or is it with Miles Kennedy? Slash. Uh, so it's Slash. I think with Miles Kennedy. I didn't even look. I was just in shock that they, you know, when they invited me and, and, and bought me a ticket, I was like, that was great. Um, they just want to hang out, talk gear and go see slash. It sounds like the best day ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, factory tour videos are fascinating, especially Eric, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, sometimes when you discuss factory tour videos, there's all this like, you know, what they will and what they won't let you see and all this stuff. And we're, we're, we're going to have a blast. This is going to be something. Um, this is going to be, this is the thing. I hope this is worth the wait because I've been really working with GNL to get to the point where we are now, where it's like, when I go there, I want to answer your questions. I'd like to even do a live show from their factory. I would love if we can pull that off. Like literally like this, you guys ask and I'll go, we'll go look, right? You know why? Virtually take you with me. Um, uh, we'll see how crazy they are. Maybe they're up for it. Who knows? Um, so there you go. Yeah. See, uh, Fred Jones says just checked online. Seems like it's just slash. Yeah. That's, uh, like I said, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've seen a slash with Miles Kennedy and he was amazing. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Slash is just awesome every time. So uh yes um <laughs> okay so on that note um so uh the one thing i just want to do a shout out to is real quick uh i have a new uh, uh patron today his name's lonnie hoke uh h-o-k-e lonnie hoke joined today on the premium thing uh because uh, we had one fall off so one comes in i have a limit on how many do the premium thing the premium uh, Patrons, obviously, all patrons are important. They support the channel. They support what we do here. That's important. It literally makes me uh, uh, have be able to sleep at night, so I don't have to stress about what's coming in and going out versus the channel. They take care of a lot of the, the channel's costs. I appreciate that. But the premiums support this exact live show. This is how the live show does. That's why there's no corporate sponsors or anything on the podcast. Those of you who don't watch this live show that are listening to the podcast, the podcast is now getting twice to three times as many downloads as the live show is watching. So uh, that's great because in podcasts, it's definitely a sponsorship gig. In other words, companies sponsor podcasts. But in this case, 
the sponsors are you guys. Uh, you literally support this, so I don't have to uh, uh, beg corporations for money, and uh, and that's great. I mean, I appreciate that in every way. So uh, I, I want to thank Lonnie for jumping on today. That was awesome, and all the other uh, the the uh, the KYG crew guys that take care of stuff, and. Um, also, last thing I want to point out too is uh, we did the uh, 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 M Sawyer uh, did the uh, the history of gear this week article on Alice Cooper and how he's affected gear, and it was a really interesting article. You can see that on the Know Your Gear website. That is our community building website. And one more reminder, because we did it last week, if you have a YouTube channel or a band or a product that you want to help promote, uh, just keep in mind that we are currently at over three thousand people a day going to the Know Your Gear website. They're all musicians, at least I'm going to assume they're all musicians. Uh, so it's a good way to get your stuff out there. It doesn't cost you anything. You just send it to us at Ask Know Your Gear. We put it up. It's just our way of saying thank you. Obviously, we have some ethics codes that we follow. So as long as you're not doing something crazy uh, on your site or your channel, we put it up. As long as it's gear related and you seem, you know, seem like a sane person. <laughs> Maybe sanity shouldn't be the requirement. I don't know. Maybe that excludes too many people. But anyways, you guys get the idea. Just a way to kind of help interact, especially you guys that watch this channel and watch other channels but think, hey, I wish there was other channels I can find too. Maybe you can find a suggestion on there. I promise you everything that's on there, uh, I've checked out and I at least enjoy. So there you go. Uh, you know what? This week I should highlight one. I never highlighted one before. Uh, Cesar. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, he's another channel, just fantastic, uh, teacher of guitar and even some guitar repairs. Uh, you know, and, and the highlight video I would suggest is I really enjoyed his, he compared, um, Crimson Guitars tools to Stu Mac tools and why he pre preferred the Crimson Guitar tools. And I thought that was really great, especially since, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of, uh, of Stu Mac tools. So it was nice to see a video that's the opposite of what I say. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Cesar is awesome. Matt says, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, amazing player. Like I said, check out his channel. And to see that, all you have to do is go to New Year Gear, go to the, uh, the uh, I think what we call it, the suggestions, shout outs page. It's called the shout outs. We're doing a shout out. That's how you check that out. Um, so that's that's how you do it. Just go to the Know Your Gear suggestion page or go to uh, our shout outs and click Cesar's channel or any of the other channels. As always, guys, thank you for hanging out. There was a ton of you this weekend. And uh, I'm going to go have dinner with my daughter. Until next week, uh, Know Your Gear.